0: May we take a few moments as we begin today and say again why we're taking this short side trip from our study in the book of 2 Peter and instead devoting this time to more understanding, a better understanding of discipleship. The most prominent reason, and I confess this, is that for some reason God of late has been just vigorously... Stirring my own heart to learn and to know more about discipleship. What it really means to be a disciple, a true disciple. How my behavior and my conduct should demonstrate that I am a true disciple. Jesus has said as much He said, They will know you by your fruits. By the way you love one another, they'll know whether or not you are my disciple. Our behavior each day bespeaks whether or not we're a true disciple of Christ. And then also, how we should be seeking to make disciples. How I should be seeking to make disciples of other people. Now, part of my inspiration has also come from our reading and studying in these words of Second Peter because here in these words that we've been studying we find that that's exactly what Peter was doing he was discipling those saints in that church he was rehearsing over and over again with them saying to them now that you have faith now that you have faith unto salvation there's more that's required of you and so he went about telling them to add to this faith. Now, add virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. Those are all concepts of true discipleship. And they reveal whether or not a person is a disciple. And it's how it should be worked out in your and my life. So then, what exactly is the message that God has given to Peter to convey to us regarding how to be a true disciple? It seems to be that, as I read these words, it's twofold, perhaps threefold that must be learned as we walk closely each day with Christ, and that's the first one: Do you walk? closely with Christ every day as Peter did. Peter said, I saw Him. I'm an eyewitness of who He is. Are you an eyewitness of what Christ is doing? We sing a song from our hymnal that says, Open my eyes that I might see. Do you walk daily with Christ? Can you see what He's doing in your own life and what He's doing in the life of others. If you're able to see Him, the first thing you're going to see is that He had a passion for the salvation of others. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. Is that vision being conveyed to you in any way? I'm being convicted that I need to have more of that. And then also... Much can be learned from these scriptures. We're told that in this verse 19 of Second Peter 1. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. What he's saying here is this. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, Isaiah 700 years ago prophesied about Jesus. 700 years before Christ prophesied about Christ. And then he says here, that prophetic word was fully confirmed. Peter's saying, and he really was crucified just as Isaiah said he would be. So these scriptures are evidence to us. And as disciples, you and I are to... Seek to know Him through this Word. And we have the prophetic Word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place. Do these Scriptures, are they a light shining in a dark place as you read them? But it's also clear in this discipleship that it cannot be limited or or reduced down to just our studying how to be a disciple. There's a lot of materials out there that you can buy, that you can read, and it will tell you all about how to disciple other people. Those are all good, at least most of them probably are. But there's another element that's absolutely necessary to discipleship, and it's a more personal one, a more intimate element. And it lies beneath and it undergirds all of our learning and all of the studying of those materials on how to be a disciple. And that more excellent element is to surrender ourselves to a more personal, intimate love relationship with the person of Christ. Do we want that? Do we want to have the Lord Jesus up close to us every moment of the day? As I thought about that, I thought that, I believe, sounds strange to some of our modern-day church members who prefer to think more on the order of Jesus simply being a good teacher and a good example to follow. I told you this story some time ago. In my first years as a Christian, I wanted to find out what this Christianity was all about. And so I went to another young man about my same age, and I asked him, did he attend church? And he said, yes. And I said, tell me what your understanding of Jesus is. He said these words. He's a good teacher, and he's a good example for us to follow. I didn't ask him what he thought about the Bible, but others have said, well, and the Bible is a good set of instructions for Christians to follow that is the view that many church members across the body of Christ have towards Jesus and yes Jesus really was a good teacher and a good example to follow the very best and the Bible really has a wonderful collection of instructions but folks listen there is so much more so much more to being a disciple. And the Apostle Peter understood that so very well. And Jesus made sure he understood it. Because one of the last encounters that Jesus had with Peter, you might recall it was there on the banks of the Sea of Galilee when Jesus confronted Peter three different times and says, Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? And then he said, feed my sheep. And you might recall that that was very disturbing to Peter. He didn't understand the point that Jesus was trying to get across to him at that moment. But he did grasp it later on because we know from all that he endured later on that he came to understand what Jesus was saying. Jesus confronted Peter with those words, do you love me? Because he needed Peter to truly understand that the first element of discipleship was going to be, need to be this deep love for him personally. And he was saying to Peter, this love that you have, it has to go beyond anything you've ever known before. Because one of those times that he asked Peter, he says, do you love me more than you love these other men that are standing near us here? These other disciples. Peter was going to need to love Jesus far more than he loved any other person. And Peter came to understand that. He came to understand that above all else, first and above all else, he needed to have a deep, abiding, personal and intimate love for the person of Jesus. And that's the message that God wants you and me to have here today. That the first level... Of discipleship the first above all else is to have this deep abiding intimate and personal love for the person of the Lord Jesus and then everything else everything else will be born out of that and it will flow out from that and so as we continue to pursue this study of true discipleship I want to ask you and me do you, do I, right at this moment, have a deep, personal, and intimate, abiding love for the person of the Lord Jesus? Or do you perhaps view Him as just being a good example and a good teacher? I hesitate to think that that's the view that you have of the Lord Jesus. But I must ask, because you and I must fulfill this first level of discipleship and do it rightly you and I need to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength and we need to pursue after that love relationship with all that we have within us all the days of our lives so then may I repeat myself and say that the purposes of this study about true discipleship the first part of it is this love relationship. Why do I mention that? It's because I've said to you that for the person who walks down an aisle and first receives Christ as their Savior, to say to them, now get up and go and make disciples is probably not the thing that we're to say to them. We probably need to say some of these other elements of discipleship. And the first one being... Let's get together and learn how to now really love this one that you have received as your Savior and Lord. Before you go out and start telling other people about Jesus, why don't you and I sit down and learn about who He really is and what your relationship is with Him. Last week, also, as we delved into this Verse that we are studying today. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. We ask first, what was meant by you truly are my disciples? And what would be required of us to be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus? We said last week that sadly, not everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is a true disciple. Not everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is a true disciple. And there's evidence within these scriptures and there's evidence within our churches across our land that there are many who sit in their church pews each Sunday. Some even who take very active roles in church programs and events. But they are not real and true disciples. They want to be. But sadly, they are pretenders. Pretenders. And they might, on that judgment day, hear Jesus say those awful words. Depart from me, I never knew you. Because those were words that He said to people who thought that they were believers. So not everyone who claims to be A disciple is a true disciple. And you and I have to seek those out as well as those that claim to have nothing to do with the Lord. Both are probably lost. One just simply doesn't know it. Then we also ask that each person, you and me, examine our own soul carefully and make sure that Christ was truly our Savior. And we also said that being a true disciple of the Lord Jesus doesn't take place at some time later on. That in our relationship with Him, becoming a true disciple begins the moment that you do receive Him as Savior and Lord. The moment that you pray that prayer to ask Him to come into your heart. Now that's a very important distinction that Jesus was making in this matter because being a true disciple is not something that we can set aside and work towards later on. And that was why he was saying this. You're not to pray to receive me and then expect to join the program when it's convenient to you. And we do that. We have this tendency to segment out the stages of our relationship with Christ. And it's because that which we did before we walked forward and received Christ as our Savior was a whole lifestyle. We had so many things that we did every day. So many things that we enjoyed. But now that we are a believer, a lot of that's going to change. A lot of what we did before will not fit in to being His disciple. And there are other things that are going to be required of us. There is work and there is time that we are going to have to devote to the things of Christ. Learning how to be a true disciple. Do you know how to be a true disciple? How much time have you spent studying about how You should be as a disciple. May I suggest to you that you have not spent much time. Why? Because I have not spent much time. Am I judging you because I haven't done things right? No, but I do believe it's common to us all. So I ask you again, how much time have you spent learning how to be a disciple of Christ? How to act? How to behave as a disciple? and then how to go out and witness to other people. If you had someone today that would approach you and ask you, how can I be a believer? How can I receive Christ as my Savior? Do you know what to say to him? Do you know what to say to her? Most people just know how to pray the sinner's prayer, and so they say, Oh, well, all you have to do is say these few words and you're saved. Most likely not. There's a lot more to it. And you need to spend some time with them. Do you know what to say? Let me say another thing also. We must not make the mistake that so many Christians make in thinking that we have an option about this discipleship. Do I want to do it? Let me make a decision. Let me think through this. I'll get back to you later. That's not in the Scriptures. When we surrender our hearts to Christ, as I said with the opening hymn, the marching orders start at that moment. You and I have joined in with Christ. And we have committed ourselves to a whole new way of life and to simply pray that sinner's prayer and then not devote your heart to the next step of discipleship, it will not work out well for you. It will not. Jesus put it so well when He said, To whom much is given, much is required. If He has saved your soul from all of that sin that you have been involved in in all your life, much has been given to you. And He says, much will be required. Much will be required. Last week also as we studied this verse, If you abide in me, you are truly my disciple. We talked about what he meant by if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. And we said that in those words, in my word, that what Jesus was speaking about was that it was the sum total of all that He is. That's why the Word was singular. If you abide in My Word, not just My words, but it was the intent was to express that it is the sum total of all who Jesus is. All that He had done, all that He said, all that He taught, but in particular, all that He is. He is the great I Am. And that to abide in My Word means to actually abide in, in Christ Himself, personally. And that also is one of those concepts that is very foreign to our manner of thinking. Even for us who really are devoted believers in Christ, those words are not easy to grasp. Are they easy to grasp for you? Because they certainly aren't for me. To abide in Christ. Those are mystical words. Not real. At least as we understand the word real to be. Those are spiritual words coming to us only through the Holy Spirit. i pondered those words many times. John chapter 15 is my favorite chapter in all of Scripture, and I've read it more than probably any other chapter several times over, more than any other chapter in Scripture. And that's where he talks about abiding in Him. And I know of no other way to say it but to say that as we step out of the darkness of our unsaved condition into the light of Christ and our salvation, everything begins to change and to transition out of this everything being natural condition where we begin to then live within a realm of where our natural condition interacts with the spiritual realms. A realm where our soul and our spirit begin to unite with the person of Christ. That's what he's talking about. Very difficult to understand, but let me read these words of John 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now listen to these words. Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Do you know what that means to you personally? I'll say that again. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in Me. Do you keep running your head up against a wall and wondering why that which you are doing is not working out well? It may have to do with this right here. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. The only answer is this, unless you abide in Me things then start to work out differently. Verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Are you bearing fruit? For apart from me you can do nothing. Do you not bear fruit? This is what it takes. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words, abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In those words that I just read, Jesus spoke of that mystical concept of abiding seven times. And again, yes, it is foreign to our thinking. It's mystical. But I want to admonish you and me to begin from this moment forward to seek with all of our hearts to lay hold of what these words are supposed to mean to us personally. They are real. They are very real. If we are to be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus, this must take place. You and I must abide within Him. Else we'll have the results that are spoken of here in John chapter 15. It will not work out well for us, He says. For apart from Me you can do nothing. And then as we abide in Christ and in His Word, and He abides in us, we begin to change. We begin to move into that next step of our relationship with Him, into a form of being in Him that brings about and manifests itself in new ways of behavior, new habits. And it's the fruits of the Spirit that start to move in and start to rise to the surface in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You become a different person. You really do. And people notice it. Because those fruits are not just a blessing to you. They're a blessing to everyone around. And think about it. People who radiate those kinds of precious qualities of love and joy and peace and patience and Kindness and gentleness, self-control. They attract the attention and favor of other people. And they start to look at you and say, I want what he has. I want what she has. And then what that does is that carries you to the next step of discipleship. That last step that Jesus requires of us. And that is that we would make more disciples for Him. That's evangelism. It opens up opportunities for you and I to say to them, let me tell you about Jesus. Now we'll talk more about this in the weeks to come, but may we close for today by repeating some of the things we've said. First and simply that if we really do want to have and to enjoy all the blessings that are ours in this salvation that you and I have received, are we willing... Right at this moment, to move on ahead and join with the Lord Jesus in his plans and his purposes. He called you and me to not only get saved, but also to be his disciples and to do all of the things that being his disciples requires of us. And so the question is the ultimate question is are you yourself ready to make a commitment to Christ? as being one of His true disciples? Are you? Mentioned in Sunday school class that my oldest son spoke one time of how we very often receive information about Christ and we simply bank it for later on. In other words, we put it back there in the back of our mind, but we do nothing with it and it's of no value to us. Are you banking... Those things about Christ and doing nothing with them. So the ultimate question for you and me, and I'm directing this primarily at myself because the Lord is really provoking me to do more in discipleship. So are you, am I ready to make a commitment to Christ, to actually do something with this salvation, this faith that He has put within our souls? Let me assure you, that you and I must. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. Let's pray.